0: truth news network a president lies you know he's lying he knows you know he's lying and you know he knows you know so what do you do Hmm? Now you might want to figure it out how about someone telling the truth we can help you with that we're tnn the truth news network and the man you can
1: rely on
0: is dan newman
1: here we are second day of this week Day. Another workday, day. Another day to catch up on all of the stuff going on in our world around us. How are you doing today? Did you get started in your week yesterday pretty good? Get a bunch done? Got your week set ahead? Are you prepared for things that you're not prepared for? Boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? How do you know what to prepare for? How do you know how to prepare for a life when you're not sure about what's coming down the pike right at you. Uh, I'm 68 years old, folks. I think I've got it kind of figured out, got my arms kind of around all that kind of stuff. But I never know for certain. I usually have a pretty good idea. I'm sure you do too. But most often, we never know for certain what's going to happen. And in this world here in the United States in which we live today, There's going to be a curveball or two or three or four or five every single day. You know that. And so how do you prepare for that? Simple. You just go into the day saying, I know today I'm going to be thrown uh, a curveball or two or three or four or five. And you just get a mindset when you begin each day like, hey, at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. So you just do the best you can looking at the world that you're living in today. Trust God that he's going to give you every resource that you need today. After all, that's what he's on the hook for. If you're a Christian, you serve him. He said he would provide all of your needs. All of your needs. Not according to how big your needs are, but according to his riches and glory. Kind of means to me, Uh, you don't have anything too big for him to handle. He's got plenty of resources to go around for all of us. So if you stop right there, if you say that, you think that, you pray that, and you feel that way, that's good enough for each day, folks. So let's not complicate it a whole lot worse, make it a whole lot worse than it really is. And I'm not diminishing any of the challenges that any of you face. They're all real. And they're all stunningly important, and many of them egregious in many different ways, especially looking at Americans' lives today. Now, yes, there are a lot of people around the globe that are worse off than are we. I get that. I understand that. And we've got it pretty darn good, even as bad as it may be here. But nevertheless, we've seen it better. And this president, with his build-back better mantra he's doing anything but building back better we're going to get on top of it and stay on top of this we got a lot of things to break down here today you know we've told you before when politicians especially those on the national stage when they stand up and scream and holler and they demand and soak up all the oxygen in the room screaming about something this or that You can always bet what's really going on, they're not talking about. It's behind their backs. So what do we have on our plate going on in America today? Well, we have a pandemic. We have COVID-19 and everything surrounding it. We have vaccine horrors, mandatory. Then we have going back to school, masking, how to handle that then we have an economy that is just falling through the floor while inflation zooms to heights that we've not seen since Jimmy Carter was in the White House. And what about our foreign policy, folks? People around this world are laughing at us. Were you here yesterday? Did you hear what our friends down under in Australia had to say about the cognitive disability of this president. They are laughing at the United States and all of our leaders. Critical race theory of this gender stuff. Folks, let me ask you this. How many different genders are we going to wind up with here in the U.S.? Sometimes I get the sense that there are a bunch of people that they know absolutely better than to think that there's 20 or 30 or 40, whatever it is, gender identities. By the way, gender is not an identity. Gender is a biological fact determined by the chromosomes in your body and my bodies. We can't change our chromosomes. We can't change our gender. Now, if you want to add that other word, That I word, along with gender, that's a horse of a different color. Gender identity. I guess what they mean when they change the terminology to include the I word, what they meant was, yeah, you are what you are, but we're going to let you, you're not, you're a human. We're going to let you uh, identify as being a cow or a dog or whatever else you want to be that you're really not. That's just one little cog in the wheel of chaos in our government today. So, we have a southern border illegal immigration crisis. Do you think just because the mainstream media aren't covering it that uh, our Democrats and our Republicans in the House of Representatives and the Senate aren't up screaming about illegal immigration at the southern border, that it's not happening? They're not talking about it. That typically means... It's happening. We're going to go to the southern border in just a little bit with Maria Bartiromo from Fox News. She's down there this morning doing a -a peekaboo for us, kind of giving us a heads up, making sure that we all understand that this is still happening and actually it's worsening every day. So you want to do the circle back thing to start this off? Have you, like me, from the very beginning of this, when they started this push for vaccinations have you asked this question I ask it every day what's really going on what's really going on I mean this summer we watched down in Sydney Australia we watched soldiers not cops soldiers patrolling the streets with helicopters overhead blaring warnings to stunned lockdown people to stay in your house and their purpose is always of course public health safety We've watched hundreds of thousands of people young and old gathered together again and again in the streets of Paris, in London, in Rome, in Athens, in Berlin. They are all en masse marching against authoritarianism, the kind of Orwellian authoritarianism that's embodied in government-issued vaccine passports that punish citizens for simply defending the right to make a voluntary medical decision for themselves and their minor children, a decision about whether to be injected with a biological pharmaceutical product that can and does often cause serious reactions, injuries, kill, or fail to work at all. And over in Europe, the signs they're carrying say, no forced testing, no forced vaccines, stop the dictatorship, hands off our children, My body is my body. Big Pharma shackles freedom. No to the pass of shame. And better to die free than live as a slave. They're carrying those signs. They're on the streets of all those big cities we just mentioned in Europe. And what has become a prophetic primal scream for liberty Governments around the globe are ordering the police to break up the largely peaceful demonstrators that are flooding these big cities and even small villages in Western Europe, the first populations to organize massive public protest against old-fashioned tyranny dressed up in 21st century clothes. The people of Europe were the very first to stand up for freedom during this government-declared public health emergency. Because they folks, they know how tyranny always begins and has throughout history. They've been on the receiving end of a lot of different tyrannical leaders in Europe. They know what it looks like and they remember what it feels like. They remember and are declaring never again. On our side of the pond, most Americans living today don't remember World War II, or if they do, it's only through what their parents or grandparents told them about it. WW2 was not fought on American soil. Americans went to war in Europe to stop the slaughter of millions at the hands of an authoritarian fascist government commanding the army of the Third Reich that killed in the name of public health and safety. Killed in the name of public health and safety. I'll say it again. Hitler's Third Reich killed in the name of... Of public health and safety. Keep that in mind. That was going on even an authoritarian communist government slaughtered many more millions during a reign of terror in the old Soviet Union. Millions died. They slaughtered millions of Russians. Most American children today aren't even taught what happened in China after World War II when the Chinese Communist Party implemented the Great Leap Forward and the great proletarian cultural revolution. Our kids today have never heard about that. Those militant ideological cleansing campaigns imprisoned and killed tens of millions of citizens simply because they criticized or they opposed authoritarian government policies. In our nation, we've taken our freedom for granted because while we've been willing to fight to defend the freedom of others... We've never been called upon to defend it in our own backyard. Most Americans have never imagined we would experience a serious threat to our autonomy and freedom of thought, speech, conscience, and assembly. So deep has been our trust in the laws and cultural values, which have for the most part ensured fundamental freedoms in our country, that we never believed it could happen here. We never believed or thought it could happen to us. But the last 20 months, folks, have changed everything. Many Americans have begun to understand that tyranny can be disguised to look like safety, even as many others still cannot bring themselves to believe it. Striking fear into the hearts and minds of the people, the move toward authoritarianism in America began with government officials suddenly telling us, you remember this? even children as young as two years old, that we could not breathe fresh air or enter public spaces without a mask covering our faces. Millions of American workers judged to be non-essential lost the ability to earn a living so they could eat and pay rent during flatten the curve. You remember that? Three weeks. Give us three weeks, maybe 30 days. We're going to flatten the curve and everything will be okay. Lockdowns we were told would only last a few weeks, but instead went on for months. Anybody who criticized government narratives about the origin of SARS-CoV-2 or questioned social distancing restrictions was immediately publicly shamed and censored. Any doctor, every doctor, who tried to provide early treatment to COVID-19 patients by repurposing safe and effective licensed drugs— and nutritional supplements to help their patients survive the infection, anybody that did that was also publicly shamed and censored. After the FDA granted Pfizer and Moderna an emergency use authorization in December of last year to distribute their liability-free experimental mRNA COVID-19 vaccines here in the U.S., public health officials enlisted big companies to launch a hard sell national vaccine advertising campaign that targeted all Americans over the age of 12. Anyone who asked questions, anybody who challenged the hard sell, was immediately censored on social media. State governments and employers were encouraged to threaten their workers, especially healthcare workers and emergency responders. Threaten them with the loss of their jobs if they refuse the vaccine. Private businesses were encouraged to deny unvaxxed citizens entry to restaurants, to stores, and other public venues. By the end of this July, two months ago, the Department of Veteran Affairs directed every VA healthcare worker to be fully vaccinated or lose your job. In early August, the Department of Defense announced all military service members must be fully vaccinated when the FDA officially licenses a COVID-19 vaccine or lose their jobs. Suddenly, August 23rd, the Pfizer mRNA vaccine was licensed without a public meeting of the FDA vaccines and related biological products advisory committee and full disclosure of the scientific data supporting licensure. We're finding out now. It wasn't. And we we shared the FDA's letter when they, quote-unquote, officially declared Pfizer's vaccine fully approved. It wasn't. The BioNTech vaccine, which is Pfizer's, that's been on the marketplace from the very beginning, has not been fully authorized by the FDA. Another product that Pfizer had been working on, a vaccine, was totally approved. But guess what? You know why they did that? Why they said that? BioNTech is being jabbed into the arms of millions of Americans today, and everybody that's taking it thinks that the FDA fully approved it. They did not. In fact, the directive in which they announced their approval of Pfizer's vaccination, that particular vaccine is not even available in the marketplace today. It's not being distributed, but it's been fully approved. That was all bait and switch stuff so that Pfizer's BioNTech vaccine, the one that is EUA status still to this day, They can jab it into the arms of Americans, and because it's in EUA status, Pfizer has no liability for anything that happens to anybody that gets that medication. The federal government subsidizes it. They've indemnified Pfizer for that. And that other vaccine that really is fully approved, it's not even on the market. And then by the end of August, 176 million Americans fully vaccinated now, representing 54% of our population of 333 million. And we're the third largest population on the globe. Studies had confirmed that the SARS-CoV-2 infection mortality rate in the U.S. remains at less than 1%. But the executive branch of the U.S. government wasn't happy with that. Wasn't good enough, federal health officials had publicly set the goal of persuading 90% of Americans to get a COVID vaccine, although it's clear now that the real goal all along was a 100% vaccination rate, no exception, and no questions asked. At the beginning of last month, September, the politics of persuasion gave way to an iron-fisted approach using the heel of the boot of the state to try to club 100 million unvaxxed Americans into submission. Who will forget on September 9th, the President of the United States followed the advice of top public health officials and in effect declared war on unvaccinated Americans. He scapegoated. And placed all the blame for the ongoing COVID pandemic on the unvaxed, even though federal health officials admit that fully vaxxed people can still get infected and can still transmit the virus to others, just like unvaccinated people. And even though breakthrough COVID infections, hospitalizations, and deaths in fully vaxxed people are on the rise, and even though evidence shows individuals who have recovered from the infection have stronger natural immunity than those who have been vaxxed and even though officials at the who now say that the SARS-CoV-2 virus is mutating just like the flu and is likely to become prevalent in every country no matter how high the vaccination rate the president told 100 million unvaxxed Americans that quote our patience is running thin and he issued an executive order that every person working for the executive branch of the federal government, that's more than 2 million people, folks, got to get vaxxed or lose their jobs. That order also applied to about 17 million healthcare professionals working in medical facilities. And the reason he could do it, he says, is because those facilities accept Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement, which is money, which comes from the federal government. By the way, there's no option for executive branch employees to get tested. The rule is to get vaccinated, period, or you get fired. It's interesting that the order does not apply to workers in the judicial branch or legislative branch, which includes members and staffers in Congress. And by the way, if you weren't with us yesterday, listen closely. There is no executive order for this. There is no rule that has been published by OSHA as on September 9th, President Biden said there would be that would require all of these private employers that have 100 employees or more to force all of their employees to get vaxxed. There is no order out there. There is no rule. There is no plan. There's no draft written. You know what that was all about? It was a press release to make everybody think if you don't go ahead and get vaxxed, you're going to get popped because you're going to lose your job. So get in line, go ahead and get it done early. I will be shocked if there ever is one formally issued by this White House. You know why? They know it's unconstitutional and would be immediately questioned in court. You heard that 19 attorneys general, 19 different states around the nation, or ready to sue the federal government? You haven't heard anything about them suing the federal government. You know why? There's nothing to sue for. There is no mandate issued yet, if there ever will be, by this president. Governing, governing by fear. The president also ordered the Department of Labor to issue a rule that carries penalties of fourteen thousand dollars per violation to force private companies with more than 100 employees to get their workers fully vaxed or tested every week. He called for teachers and school staff in all schools to be fully vaxed. The next day, Dr. Fauci criticized the president for, guess what, he didn't go far enough. Fauci said the government should give Americans no option but to get injected. Others characterize as gene therapy. He calls it a vaccine. <laughs> and others allege it's a bioweapon made in a lab in China with U.S. funding. There's no proof of it being a bioweapon, but it appears every day to be more likely it was made in the Wuhan laboratory in Wuhan, China. Then Fauci said all kids got to be vaccinated or denied a school education. All unvaxxed people got to be banned from getting even on an airplane. At the same time, a Virginia congressman introduced the Safety Travel Act. What is it? It would require everybody who travels getting on a plane or Amtrak train in the U.S. to show proof of COVID-19 vaccination or a negative COVID test within the last three days before you can get on a train or a plane. Today, this day, Tuesday, December 12th, October 12th, People in some cities are being denied entrance to restaurants and stores if they can't prove they have been fully vaccinated. Doctors are refusing to provide medical care for the unvaxxed. Hollywood entertainers are celebrating the deaths of unvaccinated people, saying they deserve to die, and are calling for the unvaccinated who get COVID to be denied admission to hospitals for treatment. Now wait a minute, but it's okay if you've been vaxxed and you get COVID again. Oh, you can be treated because you followed the rules. Judges are separating kids from their mothers who have not gotten a COVID shot. Influential scientists are insisting lawmakers make it a hate crime for anybody to publicly criticize scientists and government health officials. Dissenters are told they are selfish and are characterized every day more and more as being an enemy of the state for simply defending the human right to informed consent to medical risk-taking. The normalizing of the ritualistic persecution of Americans who are refusing to give up the right to autonomy, which is the first and most fundamental human right, it's going on full speed right now all around you. The Orwellian message is the life of any person who dissents from government policy must be systematically destroyed. Demanding obedience? Government health officials characterize public health policies that segregate, divide us, discriminate, turn people against each other. They're characterizing that as the common good. Yet, A lot of Americans instinctively know segregation and discrimination of any kind and every kind are not good. They know that persuading a majority of citizens to scapegoat a minority of citizens to cover up failures of government is allowing evil to triumph. Dissenting Americans, both vaxxed and unvaxxed, fill the ranks of every socioeconomic class, every political party, every faith-based community. They understand the meaning of the warning that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing, and they're not going to stand by and do nothing. When the government threatens to take away an individual's right to employment, to education, to health care, and the ability to enter a store to buy food, enter a hospital, travel on public transportation, there's no other word for it, folks but tyranny. This virus, this horrible virus, and it is, but it's got a 99% survival rate. And this leaky vaccine, which fails to reliably prevent infection and transmission in the fully vaccinated, has racked up a record-breaking more than half a million vaccine adverse event reports here in the U.S. alone. It's not going to be the last virus and vaccine to be weaponized against the people in the name of the greater good. That is because, folks, forced vaccination is the tip of the spear, just the tip of the spear in a culture war that's been going on for much longer than the 40 years that there's been a vaccine safety and human rights publicly warning this day would come. It's a war that will cause more suffering until enough of us refuse to be silenced and instead join together to change dangerous laws that abuse the trust and goodwill of the people. Every single American, whether you've been vaccinated or not, should stop to reflect upon what is happening in our country. Think about what liberty really means. Imagine what life will be like in the future if you can't leave your home. Without being harnessed to a government issued digital ID, which, by the way, contains personal information about your body and your life, and is hooked up to an electronic surveillance system that records and controls every move you make. Imagine if you're a healthcare worker and your medical license is taken from you for simply refusing to get a government mandated vaccine, which is a public health policy being implemented in Washington, D.C a city where doctors can now vaccinate kids as young as 11 without the knowledge or consent of their parents. Imagine if you can't hold any type of a job, or go to a grocery store to buy food to feed your family, or enter a drugstore, a cafe, a gym, a school, a cinema, museum, park, or beach without showing proof you've been vaccinated. Imagine if you're denied entrance to a doctor's office, or you lose your Medicare and Social Security benefits because you don't have the vaccine passport. A suggestion, by the way, that has been made recently multiple times on national television. Imagine if you can't get on a plane or bus to go see your kids or your elderly mom or dad because federal government officials have exercised authority over interstate commerce and banned the unvaxxed from crossing state borders an action that some proponents of forced vaccination are urging the Biden administration to invoke. Imagine if you can't even get a driver's license, you can't file your tax return, open or access your bank account, or use a credit card to make a purchase if you fail to produce the required vaccine paperwork stamped by the government. Imagine if you or your child have already suffered a previous serious vaccine reaction. Or you have an underlying inflammatory immune disorder that increases your risk for being harmed by vaccination. But doctors won't see you because you're unvaccinated. That's already happening in America today. And you were denied admission to a hospital for a life-saving operation. If you think that the vaccine passport is only about this virus and this vaccine, think again, folks. Forced vaccination was always the end game, both before and during this pandemic. And the proof of that lies in the decades of federal legislation and agency rulemaking that's paved the way for what we're going through right now, what we're living in. Right now, forced vaccination is the quickest means to what the World Economic Forum transparently describes on its website is the great reset. You, your kids, your grandchildren, are the commodity. And in the name of the greater good, which they, by the way, determine and define what the greater good is on an ongoing basis, you're expected to obedient, uh, be obedient, allow others to reset your lives in all kinds of ways, and you got to sit there and be quiet and let them do it. The government-issued passport allowing you to function in society is just step number one, and there are a bunch of steps on that slippery slope that's headed to what will be many more requirements and restrictions on your freedom in the days, months, and years to come. The question is, are you going to allow yourself to be used and abused by those currently holding the power to do what they want to do to you? Or will you defend your God given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Not government given right, God given right. This pandemic of deception and incompetence has stolen from our daily lives the peace and joy we deserve to have, leaving too many of us confused and paralyzed by fear, divided from our family and friends, crippled with anxiety and despair, allowing hopelessness to rule our every day. It doesn't have to be like this. We can refuse to be psychologically manipulated so we are unable to engage in rational thinking and crippled by fear. We can push back against the authoritarians taking over our freedom and trying to divide us. We can do it the way that all successful social reform movements before us have done it through actively participating in local, state, and federal government, and by engaging in nonviolent civil disobedience, if that becomes necessary. Instead of allowing ourselves to be separated from each other, we can stay connected. We can meet together in small groups in our homes and neighborhoods. We can develop personal relationships with our elected officials at every level of government, from a local sheriff and elected members of local school boards and city and council, Uh, county councils, to our elected state and federal legislators. If we don't like the way people we have elected are governing, we can vote them out or run for office ourselves and help change things. We can talk to the young men and women serving in our community police departments and the U.S. military to remind them of how important it is to value and protect human rights and civil liberties so that if they are ever called upon to implement authoritarian rule, they'll make the right choice. Above all, we can be self-disciplined, we can make rational decisions that don't lead to violent confrontations, because that kind of behavior only plays into the hands of those whose ultimate goal is to take away autonomy and more individual freedoms in the U.S. During the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, the most profound statements were made by those who sat down in the front of the bus or in a chair at a segregated restaurant or other public places and simply refused to move. Today, there are restaurant owners in New York City who are refusing to follow orders directing them to discriminate against and deny service to the unvaxed. There are veteran healthcare workers on the front lines caring for patients during the pandemic who are being fired we're supporting informed consent rights and giving up their careers to stand-on principle. Last Friday, you heard uh, Nurse Danny here at TNN Live for almost an hour telling us exactly what's happening in Orlando, Florida, and other big major hospitals around the country where they literally are dumping people, people that are in the know, healthcare workers, registered nurses, and even doctors, because they dare to question what's in the vaccine. There are corporate CEOs and union leaders who are refusing to bow to political pressure to require rank-and-file workers to get the vaccine or risk losing their jobs. There are even state lawmakers who are listening to the people. Go figure, novel idea, refusing to vote for the passage of this forced vaccination Laws that perpetuate the illusion that vaccine passports are the only solution to ending the pandemic. All of these Americans, folks, are already rejecting authoritarianism. They're heroes, and they're on the right side of history. They're on the right side of history. They're on the right side of history. history. They and many other brave Americans are helping us make our way through this time of fear oppression, and suffering when the cultural values and beliefs that have guaranteed freedom in this great country of ours are being tested. So what do I think? What do you think, Dan? Where's all this going? I believe we're going to come together and pass this test. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how dire, how serious it's going to become. But as we move through this, we will act responsibly to protect our liberty. We will restore the spirit of freedom to its rightful place at the center of our culture. We will do it because we know that if the state can tag, track down, and force individuals against their will to be injected with biologicals of known and unknown toxicity today— That there will be no limit on which individual freedoms the state can take away in the name of the greater good tomorrow you can choose to be a hero wherever you live you can choose to reject the ugly call to shame and punish your friends family members neighbors colleagues and fellow citizens for defending the human right to autonomy and protection of bodily integrity That is the essence of the informed consent ethic. You can choose freedom over fear. Be the one who never has to say you did not do today what you could have done to change tomorrow. Do it for yourself. Do it for your kids. Do it for their kids. And for all the generations to come. We don't know how long this ball is going to keep spinning out in the universe. We don't know. And to be quite honest with you, it's none of our business. But what we can know, that as long as we're breathing air personally on this ball spinning out in the universe, that we are doing the right things by not accepting the wrong things from people that want to do and force those wrong things upon us for purposes that have nothing to do with the common good. Wow. So how do you really feel, Dan? (laughs) I think we're staring right down the barrel of that gun. And I think it's not Joe Biden. I believe there's a bunch of people standing behind Joe Biden that don't want us to know who they are or what their long-term game is. But we got to stop the long-term game right now and grab a hold of that United States Constitution. Every article, every amendment, We've got to embrace them, make them part of our thinking, and not accept anything less than what it says. After all, somewhere upstream from you, there are people that came to this country for that one purpose and were promised all of that stuff through the years as the Constitution was developed amended, revised legally by the people to make government be of, by, and for the people, that that's going to stand in perpetuity. It's going to stand forever. It won't if we don't step up, put our foot down, and draw the line in the sand and say, on this side of the line is freedom, liberty and justice for all. It doesn't matter what's what's on the other side of the line. I'm not going across the line. I'm standing right here. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools.
0: Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. Yes. When two guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's—the new home of craftsmen.
2: Hello.
0: Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together
3: your new kitchen unit.
4: Oh yeah. Uh, the instructions say the that what now? The
0: instruction manual. It makes absolutely. Stop reading that. What would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. (laughs) Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts.
4: Go to getsomenuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching.
0: Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to our work. And the commitment to outlast them all. RAM. Proven to last.
1: Yesterday was was a busy day at TNN Live. We had a bunch of things that we we shared with you that we talked about. It's always that way on Mondays because we miss a couple of days of being together. And the world keeps spinning on Saturday and Sunday. And that means more stuff happens on every Saturday and Sunday just like every day of the week. And so we miss some things. Something I wanted to bring out yesterday and ran out of time. You wonder where Adam Schiff has been, congressman from California. Let me just tell you real quickly about where he's from. If you're familiar with Los Angeles, um, Los Angeles is spread out. There's pretty much every kind of um, land or a territory that you can imagine in greater Los Angeles. He lives up in that part north-northeast of downtown L.A. where there are hills. And to be quite honest with the, the elevation as you come out, going north out of LA you go up in elevation and it gets a little cooler you have right at the edge of the the mountains I forget the name of that that Sierra I'm not sure which ones but um, there's a bunch of evergreens and the whole scenery changes and a lot of people uh, a lot of people move that way move out of out of greater LA and of course that means everything up there is more expensive Um, but there's a bunch of people up there And a lot of people in his district, in fact, most, are hardcore leftists. And what seems to happen to people like Adam Schiff when uh, they get elected or they get a powerful position, they tend to skew in their policies and things they talk about, the things they espouse, skew further left than other people. Probably most of the people that they represent, they skew towards the extremist end of the spectrum where they live. Adam Schiff is one such guy. He was on Face the Nation Sunday on CBS. You're not going to believe what this nut job had to say. So um, let me just give you a little bit of the transcript of the conversation he had with Brennan's CBS, who's talking with Adam. Brennan says, That's the challenge is when you're going to do it only on party lines. Talking about legislation, it once again looks to people at home like they can't get along. Washington's not working again. And so Schiff replies, well, look, we have a Republican Party that is now an autocratic cult around Donald Trump. It's not interested in governing. It's not interested in even maintaining the solvency and the creditworthiness of the country. And we have to recognize that they're not interested in governing, and so we're going to govern. We're going to have to do it. And if we have to do it with our own votes, we will do that. But we need to show that democracy delivers that it can help people put food on the table, that it can address these huge disparities in income. There's so much reason why our democracy is at this fragile point right now, and we need to foremost deliver on the economy, but also on voting rights and stop these efforts to disenfranchise people. And Brennan responds with this, in awe, looking at Adam Schiff. You just made an incredible statement about an autocratic cult. This is one of the themes in your book. You aren't often compared to conservative writers like Robert Kagan, but you come to basically the same conclusion he just did in a very widely read essay where he says essentially that it's the Republican Party that is trying to lay the groundwork to challenge the next few elections. You say preparing the battlefield for the struggle to overturn the election. Should they regain majorities in Congress, they might be successful. You're saying we're on the cusp of a constitutional crisis? Well, Schiff didn't say any of that. So it just makes you know for a fact that there was some coaching going on in preparation for this get-together on Face the Nation. Brennan was throwing the softballs pitching them up in the air for Schiff to hit out of the park. So Adam Schiff, who is full of himself always, and he hates everybody else that doesn't just toe the line and believe with him everything that he believes. So here's him taking the bat, and he's hitting that softball that Brennan threw him out of the park. Schiff said, yes, and this is really why I wrote the book because I want it to sound the alarm that our democracy is hanging by a thread right now as a member of the January 6th Committee. You know, I have to acknowledge, there may be another violent attack on the Capitol. Forget about Adam, forget about Minneapolis, forget about Seattle, forget about Portland, forget about Washington, D.C., forget about Atlanta and New York City, forget about those Horrible people that on the Miracle Mile in Chicago broke into stores and stole millions of dollars. I watched one guy walk through a broken window coming out of a Rolex jewelry store with three Rolex President boxes under his arms. Each of those Rolex President watches is worth $35,000. I watched all that. But you know what? You didn't say anything about any of that other violence. You didn't say anything about it. You didn't say anything about one woman. Ashley Babbitt was the only person shot and killed on January 6th, and she was shot and killed from behind her when a capital city cop pulled his gun. She wasn't hurting anybody. She wasn't armed. She was crawling through a window to move into another passage, and for no reason whatsoever, that cop shot her in the back of the neck. She bled out on the floor. And the coroner in Washington, D.C., who's a Democrat, declared her death was a homicide. You don't talk about that because it doesn't fit the narrative you threw out in your book. I can't wait to get the book. I'm going to burn it. <laughs> He said, I wanted to tell the story in this book about how does that happen? How in four short years does our democracy become so threatened? It was so threatened. The economy was booming. More African-Americans employed than ever before. Unemployment rate went through the floor. Our government, our federal government, even with the massive tax cuts, got more revenue than ever before in history in tax revenues because American people, top to bottom, were making good money. We became, for the first time in 40 years, energy independent because it was an open economy We had great credibility around the world for the first time in a long time. Folks, guys like Adam Schiff, representatives like Adam Schiff, they are so far in the tank of autocracy and ruling by executive fiat, skipping the voices of the people totally, and just feeling endowed with the right to say and do anything they want to do. That is the exact way that it happened in Nazi Germany before there was Nazi Germany. Adolf Hitler didn't seize power in 24 months. He started his role in the 1930s, and it took him more than 10 years to gain control and then to very quietly lull the German people to sleep. He began to put targets, actually they were gold stars, on people with who he descended, the Jewish people. And the gold stars, uh, you can call it a ethnic passport if you want to. The gold stars indicated to everybody that saw those stars, these people are less than us. They don't deserve what we have. They're not enlightened. They won't fall in line. They're evil people and they must be done away with and he did do that six million or more. I went to Dachau, probably not the most well known concentration camp in Germany, but I saw the actual photographs of thousands of Jewish people, their bodies piled up. I walked I walked through the actual building in which German Officers would get these Jewish people from their dormitories, telling them you're going to take a shower, which was a huge deal because they never got to get clean. They would go to one side of this room, walk through a door. There was a place to hang their clothes. They walked through another door into a room supposedly to take a shower, and the shower heads in the ceiling would come on, and it wasn't water. It was gas. After a certain amount of time they would turn the gas off, turn on fans to suck all of the gas out of the room, I walked in and through the door where they drug these dead Jews, lifeless bodies into the next room, I looked into, actually looked into the ovens, three of them side by side, they could put six or seven bodies in each one of them and burn them at one time. I saw all of that, folks. German people in the 30s, they never looked ahead and saw this kind of thing happening, never thought it could happen on their watch, and even while it was going on, the Third Reich, they kept it secret in great part. Does any of this thing sound eerily familiar to you? Adam Schiff, I gotta be honest with you. In the Bible, it talks about God being so upset with people, they rejected him for so long that he turned them on to he turned them over to a reprobate mind. Now, I've, I've puzzled for a lot of years to understand what that means. Here's what I think it means: I think that people can, for so long, so demonstrably reject righteousness and goodness, reject the things that they see and know are right, that even God will wipe them off of his hands and say, that's enough, go do your deal. And just let them live their life and suffer the consequences of the actions that they choose to embrace. I believe that happens. I believe it's happened throughout world history. And I think in a great part it's happening today in Washington, D.C. and across the nation. I could sit here all day and keep going on that Face the Nation thing on Sunday, but it nauseates me to even think about it. Wow. What else is going on, Dan? I told you we're going to go to the southern border with Maria Bartiromo. We're going to do that. But before we do that, Let's go back upstream to the White House. Let's go back upstream to President Joe Biden. Have you noticed all through his campaign, the, the three or four times that we actually saw him speaking at a campaign event, um, he always promised, he had like three or four principles that he would, he would always tell us, I'm going to draw Americans back together again. He would say, I don't want to be the president of Democrats in America. I plan on being the president for everybody, all people. We're going to unite everybody. And not one single thing he has done has even tried, yet alone accomplished unity for any Americans, any group, any individuals. I think the only people that kind of came together behind him and closed ranks were the elitist, wealthy, far-left Democrats that he's even lost most of them. Most of these far-left Democrats, they're basically saying this guy's gone off the reservation. They don't know what to think about him, and they're not supporting him like they were. They can't support the things that are actually in our faces every day. They did for six or seven months but all of a sudden the truth starts coming out and it's like uh-oh we made a mistake well Hollywood people in Hollywood <laughs> most of them are in the tank I have never understood that those are the people that should understand capitalism and the free market system better than anybody because you understand The real good actors now, people like Clooney. You're fixing to hear from George Clooney in just a second. Uh, People like him, Tom Cruise. And I, I could give you a list of 25 or 30 names. You know who I'm talking about. When they get a good role in a movie, they'll make $25 million up front, and they get residual on all of the sales that come on the back end. That's capitalism, folks. They're not worth $25 million. I mean, come on. Well, technically they are worth that because somebody who has the money and wants them and was, is willing to hire them to do that job is willing to and has the $25 million to pay them. So I guess they are. That's called capitalism. Those people out there, they don't want capitalism to be the root, the fundamental, liberty and justice for all and all that bunk here in the United States. They want the ability and the power to do what is called Autocracy that's where one or a small group of people stand at the top and they make all the rules for everybody else who can do this, who can have this, who can't have this and what everybody should do. So Clooney is in an interview and um, he's talking about and being asked questions about Biden's job, what Biden is or not doing. Listen closely to this short audio and listen to the justification and the reasoning for what Biden's dealing with right now and who George Clooney blames.
3: You're a friend of President Biden. You've known him for a long time. Sure. And looking at his poll numbers, which are really quite bad at the moment, things have gone wrong. What would you say about what's happened? Well, I mean, it's... You know, you can't. It's like taking a battered child and thinking he's gonna, everything's gonna be okay. And you know, his first day in school. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to be repaired. You know, there's a lot of, uh, oh, there's a lot of healing that has to happen. And it's gonna take time. Um, poll numbers come up and go down. I would expect them to go back up again. Um, you know, Donald Trump's numbers went up and down. It's so funny, because you know, he was just this knucklehead. I knew him before he was. Uh, you know, a, a president. He was just a guy who was chasing girls. You know, every time you went out, he'd come over and be like, what's the name of that girl? You know, that's all he was. And, and 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 the idea that there's this whole group of people that, you know, that they think he's the champion of, which he certainly can't stand in real life. But, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to play this out for a while and we'll see where we go with it as a country. My hope is we have uh, a little better sense than to do that again. My hope.
1: You just heard the thoughts and the mind of an authoritarian, George Clooney. I mean, it's there, folks. That's the epitome of it. Basically, what this guy said was, Donald Trump, there's nothing there. He can never make it in life. He's nothing basically but a buffoon. He only cares about women. We're talking about George Clooney pointing a finger at Donald Trump and saying all he cares about is hustling women? (laughs) Do you know what Clooney's reputation in California is? I mean, mamas, they lock up their young girls, folks, when Clooney's coming around. No, they really don't. That's a figure of speech. I'm just saying, I'm sure Donald Trump has done some bad things in his life. I'm sure there's some sin in his past. I'm sure he uses profanity when he shouldn't. I'm sure he says some bad things about some people. But you know what George Clooney doesn't know? Nor do I, nor do you. We don't know what's in Donald Trump's heart. God does. Melania does. Their kid knows. Trump's Kids, know, But what did Jesus say about men's hearts? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What a man does comes from who he is. That's the Dan Newman interpretation. Look at what Donald Trump did for four years compared to what he said he was going to do in four years. Do you remember what he said? We on this show and in our writing, we have painstakingly, we have published articles with over 300 promises that Donald Trump made that he fulfilled, every one of. He is the first politician in my lifetime that has ever done almost, if not everything, most things that he promised voters he would do if he was elected president, and as a matter of fact, the only ones he didn't accomplish were the things he could not do because Congress would not work with him to get them done. Compare that to what Joe Biden's done. Think about that. Oh, yeah. He's fulfilled a lot of his promises. He killed the XL Pipeline by canceling the permit. Day one in office. The first thing he promised to do is the first thing every president promises to do when they put their hand on that Bible on Inauguration Day and they swear an oath to the United States Constitution and their support of the rule of law to protect and defend the United States of America. Joe Biden hadn't done any one of those things. He threw open the southern border. We will never have any idea how much Criminality he opened up and let come into this nation in just ninety days, folks, at the southern border. Border patrol agents and ICE—they caught drug smugglers with enough fentanyl collectively in ninety days. Fentanyl is the most egregious illegal gr- drug on the market today. You may not know this, but if you if you get ana- general anesthesia. When you're put to sleep in the hospital, you get a little fentanyl. But the kind they're peddling is way, 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 way different. And it kills people, more Americans than ever before. We have no idea how much has come across the border. But in the first 90 days, they caught, they apprehended and stopped enough of the fentanyl coming in that would kill every single American. How many babies from Mexico and Central America have been trafficked by these human sex traffickers coming across the southern border? We could go on and on and on and on. And we have people like George Clooney, who millions of people just listen to everything they say and just take it as fact. George Clooney's a very famous guy. He's very wealthy, so that means he's got to be better than me. He's got to know more than than I know, and so i got to listen to what George says, and if he says that Trump didn't do a good job by jingos, I guess Trump didn't do a good job, and George, he wants Joe to get another chance. So it is said, so let it be done. That's the philosophy of the left from top down. Division is rampant. Unity is gone. I said this from the day it was announced that Joe Biden won that election. I said this from the very day. This is day one of a spiral into the depths of depravity of this nation. Unseen for more than a century. We will be void of leadership in the White House. And I think maybe, I'm not a prophet, but I think that may so far look like a prophetic word. We're in a bad place right now as a nation. God can pull us out of this, but it's not going to be a man, any man. Even Donald Trump is not going to pull us out of the doldrums that we're in now. It's going to take a spiritual movement of epic proportions to right the ship. Who's going to instigate that? It won't be Joe Biden. You can bet on that.
2: Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name.
1: I'm afraid to ask.
2: Snuggle Muffin.
3: No, it isn't.
2: And she uses it in public.
3: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
2: I couldn't do that.
3: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower.
2: Got it. Here she comes.
1: Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle.
2: snuggle I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky.
0: There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve northern tool and equipment computer execute 12.4p operation optimizing algorithm running encryption packet alpha night night oh i don't feel so good what what is it computer is it hot in here it feels hot in here i feel a little clammy i should lie down or something a computer with a virus surprising what's not surprising How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your Left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's Chips. One taste and you're in love. Hi, Tom Baudet. Of all the things invented in 1962, some have faded away, like cassette tapes. And others are still very much with us, like lava lamps and Motel 6. Yep, Motel 6 is celebrating 50 years of giving travelers a good night's rest and saving you more for what you travel for. But we're just getting started. In fact, the longer you watch us, the better we get. Kind of like a lava lamp. Trippy. I'm Tom Baudet for Motel 6. 50 years and the light's still on. You're standing against the tide of creeping insanity, one truth at a time. TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: Well, there's some good news happening, believe it or not. A Virginia-based parent group that has been attempting to oust five of the Loudoun County School Board members. You remember that? The big brouhaha about their teaching of critical race theories. Well, that group was given a small win after a Loudoun County Circuit judge ruled yesterday in favor of the organization's recall petition against one board member who sought to get it dismissed. A judge denied Loudoun County School Board member Beth Bart's motion to dismiss the case and also remove Loudoun County Commonwealth's attorney Buta Biberaj from the case. The group fight for schools and others have alleged that Bartz was involved in a private Facebook group that violated the school board's code of conduct and other laws after members allegedly tried to attempt to reveal private information about parents and their opponents. Interesting. Another little court victory. Sixteen unvaccinated athletes won another round in their legal battle to play sports despite Western Michigan University's mandate that all of its intercollegiate athletes had to get the COVID-19 vax. In a unanimous published decision, this was released on Monday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit in Cincinnati held that the university violated the athletes' First Amendment rights. That's interesting. So, in the middle of all of this stuff, folks, I mean every bit of it, it seems like there is a glimmer Of hope. It seems like maybe, just maybe, there are a bunch of Americans that are willing to stand up and fight and push back against this totalitarianism that is uh, stealthily taking over the nation and saying, we're not going there. But this just popped up over the weekend. I thought this was a very important issue and a thing to point out. An education company that happened to be co founded by our Attorney General, Merrick Garland's son in law issued a, now this is a quote, one word in quotations, resource. They issued a resource for teachers this year that claims supporters of former President Trump are white supremacists. Now put that in the context of what's going on right now. We're talking about the Department of Justice, the number one guy, Attorney General Merrick Garland, in his immediate family, His son-in-law, a company that this guy founded, issued a resource for teachers to use, and in that resource are claims that anybody who voted for Donald Trump is a white supremacist. So the educational workshop released by Panorama Education, and um, it was co-founded by the son-in-law, Alexander Tanner, he's the group's president, revolves around systemic racism. The whole thing is about systemic racism. And it includes an article as a resource that states the Ku Klux Klan and attendees of Trump's rallies are both examples of white supremacy. I kid you not. That's real, folks. Hey, I went to a Trump rally in Bossier City, Louisiana, I loved every minute of it, and if anybody knows me, and a bunch of people that are listening this morning do know me, I'm anything but a white supremacist, I'm not a racist, I'm not a homophobe, we have homosexuality in our immediate family, I have an African American nephew, and I love them both dearly, I am not a homophobe, I'm not a racist, and I'm certainly not a white supremacist. Do you see a parallel here that a company, anybody that is giving supplies, data, teaching materials to our teachers would give a resource, they are are calling this, to any group of teachers that indicates that anybody, just because they support one political candidate, that they are an extremist racist on either end of the color spectrum. Sounds very, very uh, unifying to me. What about you? So how do you think that that sits with the Attorney General of the United States? Do you think they've ever had that that, uh, conversation? You know they have. I'd sure like to be a fly on the wall. Why don't we segue right into this vaccine thing? There's there's big news that comes out every day. Every single day, there's something else that's been revealed. There's some other lie that's been exposed. There's some other gross misrepresentation that has been made. Well, the FDA yesterday, it reiterated its stance that the benefits of Moderna's vaccine outweigh its risk and they said that after several Nordic countries began restricting its use for certain age groups because of their concerns about a a rare heart-related side effect. Now I'm going to finish telling you what's going on and then I want us to put this in context in just a second. The FDA responded after some of those health officials over in Finland said Thursday last week that males under age 30 should not receive the Moderna vaccine because of a slightly higher risk of developing myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart. One day before that, Sweden said it was going to pause use of the vaccine for everybody under 30, while Denmark stopped use for the people under 18, and Norway recommended people receive the Pfizer vaccine instead. So here's our FDA. Now, keep this in mind. We're talking about the Federal Drug Administration, Food and Drug Administration of the U.S., the number one, really the only real top dog, watchdog for the U.S. and American citizens' health care. So you have one country, Finland. Uh, You have another one, Sweden. You have another one, Denmark. And they're all pushing the pause button on this Moderna drug, specifically for that age group of people, that demographic. And instead of um, taking an under-advisement for consideration, here you go. The elitist establishment, which the FDA are part of, they come out and say, forget about those people across the pond. They don't have a clue. And the FDA said this in a release. The FDA is aware of these data. At this time, FDA continues to find that the known and potential benefits of vaccination outweigh the known and potential risk for the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. In other words, we're going to keep on jabbing, and we're not going to even investigate. We're not even going to look at a remote possibility of there being some there there. So why don't we just do this? The VAERS report, the VAERS COVID vaccine adverse events report for the week was published overnight. It was late. Normally it comes out Friday and we get it. This is from the Centers for Disease Control website. This represents, and I got to put this disclaimer up front this isn't all of the adverse reactions that happen. Why don't we have all of them? Because they're not all reported to the CDC. Doctors, don't always give them. The CDC themselves advise anybody that looks at this report on their website understands that this is just a small part of the actual adverse reaction. Small part is the way they phrase it. When they've been asked for specific estimates, sometimes they'll say it's it could be as much as 100 times worse than this. But they usually say 10 to 50%. So through October 1st, There were 778,683 adverse reaction events reports. Those are the ones that were filed since January 1st. Those included 75,000 hospitalizations, 87,000 separate urgent care visits, 121,000 separate doctor office visits, 700. Excuse me, 7,100 cases of anaphylaxis shock, 9,500 Bell's palsy cases, 2,400 miscarriages, 7,868 heart attacks, 8,689 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis, inflammation of the the heart. 23,712 Americans are permanently disabled as a direct result of a vaccine, COVID 19 vaccine. Thrombocytopenia, low platelet count, 3,620 cases. Other life-threatening conditions, 17,619. Severe allergic reaction, 30,631. Shingles, 9,215. All the way back to 1990 is when the CDC started publishing their weekly VAERS report. They kept up with adverse reactions— that Americans had from getting these vaccines. The highest total in any year of adverse reactions reported, and let's just look at the death number, in any one year the highest number before this year was 467. Now that's not COVID-19 vaccinations. That number 467 in 2017, that included Deaths from adverse reactions in every every single vaccination given for all of every disease out there to Americans. 467. All total. That was the highest number. The total number of deaths reported since 1990 until December 30th, of last year for every and from every vaccination that's given. That includes mumps, measles, all of those. Flu, everything. All rolled into one. The total number was 1926. From 1990 through the end of 2020. And so far, reported, this year alone, 16,000 310 Americans have died immediately or shortly after from adverse reactions to Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and Pfizer's vaccinations. I don't know, folks. When it quacks and waddles, it's usually a duck. (laughs) And I believe I'm not laughing about it. If you you don't laugh, you're going to cry about it. I'm not laughing about it, and it's sad, but we certainly are being grossly misinformed on everything to do with COVID-19 vaccines, the whole nine yards. Wow. Who do we trust? I don't know. Just keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Listen. Again, back across the pond where they get stuff, deal with things COVID-related way before us. It sweeps from the east to the west. The British government has embarked yesterday. They instigated a new pressure campaign to make parents get their kids vaccinated or risk losing the ability for their kids to even go to school. While the Boris Johnson administration hasn't yet mandated vaccines for children, their health secretary, have written to parents warning their children might be prevented from face-to-face lessons. The letter said that parents should encourage their kids to come forward for the COVID vaccine as it is one of the best things young people can do to ensure protection of themselves and others. Though the government ministers acknowledged in their letter that the young children face limited risk from the virus, they still should get the jab in order to reduce the spread of COVID-19. That is why we're encouraging all you everybody to support your kids to get vaccinated and to continue to test regularly. And again, I asked the question, if we get vaccinated, why do we need to continue to get tested? The vaccination you guaranteed us way before it would even came to the open market that if you were vaxxed, you were, you were cool, you were good. But now you're telling us that we need to test frequently after we're vaccinated, if the vaccine works, why would there be any need for continued testing? No good answer to that. You remember last week, we, we were one of the first news outlets to get that news coming out of Colorado, where there was a woman that was in the throes, I mean, right at the end of kidney failure, She was going to die if she didn't get a kidney transplant. And um, the hospital she's in, they they put her on the transplant list. But while they were looking, she found a friend who volunteered to give up a kidney, got tested, and it worked. It was a match. So they very happily reported to the authorities at the hospital, hey, I got my transplant. This is my doné. It's a friend of mine we're compatible sadly last week the hospital wrote the kidney patient a letter saying not only are we not going to do this transplant we're taking you off the transplant list why she was unvaxxed the lady that was losing her kidney in addition to that the donor was anti vax and had not been vaccinated so they took her off the transplant list. She's out there shopping looking for a hospital, a transplant hospital, to give her a transplant because they're demanding you get vaccinated to give and to receive a donor kidney. Well, yesterday, the Cleveland Clinic of All Places, they announced they're no longer going to offer organ transplants to people who are unvaxed. And when asked the reason for it, they say the reason for the policy change, is the immunosuppressant drugs transplant recipients must take after they get a new organ so their body does not reject it. Unvaxed people will also no longer be able to become a living organ donor over fears COVID may be able to transmit through the procedure. It doesn't matter that both of these women were friends and they were willing to take any of the risk involved in doing this transplant both of them both of them tested incidentally positive for having antibodies against it duh and so unless that woman that needs the transplant finds another facility to do it she's going to die and it came to life last week to her can you imagine how she feels today Wow. Now, speaking about some um, disinformation about all of this COVID-19 stuff, guess what came out last night? The Chinese province where COVID-19 first emerged, we found out last night it was already, that province was already ordering testing kits months prior to an official announcement of COVID-19 before it ever came out. The Australian-U.S. firm named Internet 2.0 discovered that Hubei, the province with Wuhan as its capital, saw an overall increase in purchases for COVID testing equipment or those PCR tests as early as May of 2019. May of 2019. Does that date sound a little familiar to you about something? Did you know we've played here for you the soundbite from Dr. Anthony Fauci? And he predicted this president will face a pandemic in his administration while he's in office. And so this group said this, We assess with high confidence that the pandemic began much earlier than China informed the WHO about COVID-19. Chinese government confirmed the first local reports of COVID on December 27th of 2019. The WHO made an official outbreak notification four days later. Yet, months before May 2019, the Chinese government, that province, is ordering a bunch, big-time order, of PCR tests to test for COVID-19. Wow. The other big conundrum about COVID-related stuff, and this frosts me is all of this attacks, on natural immunity. That's coming in light of the fact that last year, early spring, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Deborah Burks, White House daily briefings on coronavirus, over and over and over again, what's our target? What's our objective? We gotta get to herd immunity, which is natural immunity for a bunch of people. How do we get there? Well, the disease is gonna have to inf- infect people and their bodies are going to build up natural attacks against the COVID-19 called antibodies. That's what we've got to get to, and we'll get to herd immunity. That's what every country wants to get to is herd immunity, natural immunity, natural immunity. And then when it starts happening here in the U.S., the medical experts like Fauci and others, they start attacking anybody that believes – Herd immunity, natural immunity, is as good as COVID-19 vaccinations. The Associated Press on Saturday published a piece that asserted that Republican Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas, they published a hit piece stating that Marshall touted information on the virus that, in their words, this Associated Press said this, that defy both medical consensus and official U.S. government guidance. Now, there's an oxymoron in the same sentence. They used this term, medical consensus and official U.S. government guidance. Like, those are always the same, and they're always right. (laughs) In the case of COVID, they're seldom right. The publication specifically took issue with Marshall publicly speaking about the reality of natural immunity to the virus, a factor that's largely ignored by the establishment media and Biden administration as they instead push unadulterated obedience to get vaccinated. The Associated Press said Marshall has been pushing unsupported theories about COVID 19 immunity, complaining of a letter sent by Marshall and several other GOP doctors. Yes, he's a doctor, other dentist and pharmacists to the CDC asking the federal health agency to factor in the reality of natural immunity when crafting vaccination policy. This this whole thing, this what the CDC is doing, what the Biden administration is saying, poopying and denigrating the reality of natural immunity is the biggest sign to me, the number one sign to me, that they have no intention of opening the door of truth regarding anything and everything to do with COVID-19 vaccinations, curing, treating. They're not going to open that door up in any way. In fact, they're slamming each and every one that opens because of natural science out there, real doctors. You've heard them here on this show. Multiple doctors have been on this show some of the greatest recognized in the world. The number one cardiologist in the world was on here three weeks ago. He was the head of medicine for Baylor University, was over all of medicine and healthcare in the Baylor hospital chain. He lost his job because he was out there talking about the goodness of preventative measures to be taken to attack COVID-19. Lost his job over it. They're quieting dissidents, anybody that goes against the company line, the government line, anything that the government says, whether or not it's based on science, and now they don't even try to hide the fact. They're not listening to science themselves. They're denigrating what the scientists are saying, that the facts out there prove. Folks, our bodies have created antibodies against infections and viruses and bacteria since there have been human beings. That's what God put in our bodies when he made us. Our autoimmune systems, that's what autoimmunity means. Automatically our body gets exposed to viruses and bacteria through the air, through touching, through integrating with people. It happens all day every day, thousands and thousands, probably millions of times every day we're exposed to such things. And our bodies when they denote, when they find one of these things invading our body, they produce the antibodies to go attack and kill it naturally. We don't have to flip a switch. We don't even have to know about it. Our bodies do that automatically. And healthcare professionals, scientists, real scientists, not Fauci, not Burks, not Joe Biden, they tell us now it's no good. Antibodies are no good. They don't want to recognize antibodies, even testing of antibodies to be an effective measure, even as good. And now we're learning more every day that actual antibodies are better than vaccines. They don't want to go there. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And have you gone to the store lately? You go buy groceries, you go fill up with gas, <laughs> looking for toilet paper again. I have no idea what the rush for toilet paper is when these spikes in fear keep getting thrown out at us by our government. But there is, in some parts of the country right now, there's another toilet paper conundrum. You can't find it. People are hoarding toilet paper. Oh my gosh, I, I, I would think food, I understand food, I would understand gasoline, but toilet paper, come on now. Anyway, all that being said, there's a shortage on many, many items, more than we've seen and since I can remember. President Biden and his Department of Commerce have failed to solve a supply chain crisis that is causing the backup of supplies all across the America at our U.S. ports and cross-country transportation as the left-wing media lays the blame solely on what? The virus. A CNN report, which we have to believe in total because it's CNN, that report said consumers can't expect to shop like they did in the before times. That was the term they used, the before times, and highlighted manufacturers' warning of limited food supplies. Here's what it said. If you hope grocery stores this fall and winter would look like they did in the before times, with limitless options stretching out before you in the snack, the drink, the candy, and frozen food aisles. Get ready for some disappointing news. Many of the country's biggest food markets are telling grocers they will have limited quantities of a number of their products, like Rice Krispie Treats, Sour Patch Kids, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream, McCormick Gourmet Spices, and Marie Callender's Pot Pies. Why? Because of labor, commodity, and transportation constraints, throttling supply chains – that's according to emails viewed by CNN and interviews with grocers. Some suppliers are also telling grocers to cancel their promotions of these items and more over the holidays so products won't disappear from store shelves as quickly. Purchase limits for manufacturers were rare before the pandemic and they are creating lesser than full conditions for customers. In Morton Williams stores. That's according to Steve Schwartz, director of sales at the New York area chain. Morton Williams is trying to tap secondary suppliers when its primary vendors for food and household essentials can't fill the orders. Now, we won't even talk about gasoline. Oh my gosh. You've been to the pump, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's amazing. One federal judge, folks, about this natural immunity thing. I forgot to mention this. Has gotten in right in the middle of this natural immunity thing. And they're on both sides of the spectrum. We did a story early on about a college group that won a case. They got a temporary stay. And it was Western Michigan University. The university had put out a decree that everybody that participated in athletics had to be vaxxed. On the other side of the state, yesterday, a federal judge denied a request to block Michigan State University's vaccine mandate. And it, too, was on the basis of natural immunity. So you've got two federal judges in the same state, two different universities. One was Western Michigan and then Michigan State. And it was the same thing about students being vaxed at both places. One federal judge says, you don't have to be vaxxed, that's not right. And the other one says, You gotta be vaxxed if the rule says you got to be vaxxed. This is the kind of stuff that is driving people stark raving crazy. Nobody gets to know who to believe and why. And we're told all the time, believe what I say. Believe what he says. Don't believe what this guy says. This is a doctor, but he's not one of us. And they wonder why people are afraid? Come on now. Well, have you kept up with who's running for U.S. Senator over in Georgia? You know anything about that race going on? Well, there's a really good guy running, and uh, he's running against Raphael Warnock, who was the African-American pastor of a church in Atlanta. Hard, hard leftist, very hard leftist, which shocks me because he's a pastor. Ebenezer Baptist Church, very famous church. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke there frequently. Warnock is a Democrat senator, and he's being challenged by a guy— I got to be honest with you. I think, especially in the state of Georgia, that he's got a really good chance of winning this. So who are we talking about? You know who we're talking about. African-American football star. Georgia. NFL. Big money. Record setter. Great Christian young man. And there's good news about what's going on in this campaign. We've got that, and we've got just a few minutes left of the show. A couple of other goodies we're going to drop on you after this.
0: Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH.
1: TNN Live. The Truth News Network.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie. Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is?
3: It's hump day. Woo-woo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump
0: Day. Get happy. Yeah! Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order, please? I'm here for the most wanted. Sorry, sir. Can you repeat that? The gang known as the Western Whopper. Ah, you mean our new Texas barbecue beef bacon and sweet Carolina Whoppers, right? Yes, I need them now. Try the new Texas barbecue beef bacon or our tasty honey mustard sauce on our sweet Carolina Whoppers at your nearest bake today. Burger King, have it your way. When the lie becomes the norm, speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act. Dan Newman,
1: TNN, The Truth News Network. Well, of course, that guy in Georgia that's running for Senate, you know who he is, Herschel Walker. He has, in his campaign since he announced, just a few days has sprinted out of the blocks when it comes to fundraising for his campaign, and he's trying to underseat Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia in the midterms next year. He was a phenomenal player in Georgia and a great professional football player, a running back, won a Heisman Trophy, helped propel the University of Georgia to a national championship, and he made the announcement yesterday. His campaign has pulled in 3.7 million bucks. That's about $100,000 a day from late August when he started his campaign. 3.7 million dollars. That's a good start. He's a major supporter and surrogate, by the way, for President Trump in last year's election. He said in a statement obtained by Fox News that his team is overwhelmed by the support from about 50,000 Americans who have contributed. Here's a quote from Mr. Walker. National Democrats have already said they plan to spend $100 million on this race. These strong numbers show that we are ready to go head-to-head with anybody. The three other Republicans running for that same GOP Senate nomination in Georgia have yet to report their July-September to September fundraising figures. I can tell you this. It ain't going to be what Herschel's got in his war chest so far. An important thing we need to mention here. Haven't so far today, this flight craziness going on with Southwest Airlines. You heard about it. There were 1,800 flights that were canceled on Saturday, another 300 on Sunday. Yesterday, we're about another approximate 400 being delayed, and there's all kinds of information being given, excuses being made. We checked in with uh, one member of a pilot's union. Talking about this and what it's all about. And he kind of, in a roundabout way, confirmed what many Americans have suspected. Southwest is putting in a vaccine mandate for all of its employees. They got to be finished by such and such a date. I forget the date of it. But pilots are rolling back and saying, we're not going to just lay down and accept it. And for whatever reason or reasons, these flights are being delayed because. A lot of different excuses given, but nobody's talking about the exact thing that explains it. Summarize for us, you
4: you pilots who have raised questions about these mandates have been, as noted, dismissed as criminals, terrorists. Tell us your motive in resisting this mandate.
2: Tucker, thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, Yes, uh, my motive for resisting it is, is primarily religious for myself. Uh, basically, I saw, um, uh, among my friends, I, I saw a need. Uh, many of us don't want to take this. Uh, people were being coerced. I believe in freedom, and I'm here to support the freedom of my fellow employees and all people across this country. Um, I'm not going to take a mandate. I'm not going to be coerced into doing something that I don't believe in. So there are two levels in which to assess this.
4: One is the, the level that you just described, the level that preserves American society as we've known it for 250 years with freedom at its core because if they can make airline pilots do this, they can make airline travelers do this and there's no end to what they can make you do. But describe if you would, since you work in the business, what the effect on our national transportation infrastructure is about to be because of these mandates.
2: Well, as we know, the transportation sector is the heart and soul of this country and it's a very delicate system. If there's a disruption in one part of the system, it has a catastrophic effect um, among the rest of the system, which is going to affect uh, commerce, it's going to affect trade, and ultimately it's going to affect the economy. If you have flights reduced by 30 percent because 30 percent of pilots are fired because they won't take the vaccine, this is going to affect how your goods get here from overseas, how they're distributed to the stores. You know, the same thing's happening with the truckers. It's happening in the shipping industry. Um, those amazon boxes that typically show up in two days you might be looking at three weeks
4: so i mean it it turns out that people with essential skills like airline mechanics air traffic controllers and yes commercial airline pilots have more power maybe than they realized you got to wonder if people are being pushed to the point where they're going to be fired how many more of these sick outs job actions whatever strikes whatever you're going to call what we saw this weekend. How many more of these do you think we're likely to see?
2: Well, uh, first of all, we have all the control and the control comes from a simple word and that's no. We just don't need to comply. Um, As far as I'm concerned, I will never promote a sick out or a work action. That is illegal. Uh, With U.S. Freedom Flyers, the organization that I'm with, uh, we will never promote such a thing. With that being said, we also cannot control the actions of individuals. And I think that I think that you will see massive disruptions in supply chain um, and in your travel if we just stand up and say no. If these companies fire us and they fire 30 percent of the workforce, aircraft are going to stop moving and it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your air travel and it's going to affect the economy.
4: Joe Biden will say this is your fault. Finally, how do you respond to that? He'll blame you for this.
2: It's his fault. It's squarely his fault. I think anyone with a, with a critical mind uh, can point towards the federal government and the companies that are enforcing these illegal mandates from the federal government and, and, and see that it's the federal government's fault.
1: I think what he said there was very salient and applicable when he said anybody with a real mind can see. The question is, do they want to see? And obviously so far, no. And Americans, folks, in large, have awakened This is exactly what those on the left did not want to see happen. Do you know what the latest numbers are? The real clear politics average for Barack Obama showed on October 11th of his first year as president that he had a better job approval rating than Biden has today. And remember, it was widely thought that Obama was not going to do well, at least in the polling after he was elected, because He was having to try to prove every day that he was worthy to hold the office. And Biden was his VP during all eight years. So we're clear politics average job approval rating for Obama was 53% and Joe's 10 points less. Obama's disapproval rating was 40%. And this gave him, Obama, a wider spread of approval and disapproval than Joe has today. The average job approval versus disapproval rating for Biden is almost the exact opposite of Obama's. 52.5% are disapproving him and 43% approving his job performance. Less of a spread than the former president. This is still a 9.5 point difference from the current president. At this point in both Obama's presidency and his former vice president's, there's a clear 10-point difference in what respondents felt of the two presidents during the same point, roughly nine months in, from when they were in office for the same amount of time. And I know this. I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm about to tell you is a fact. There are people in this administration that are very fearful at watching these numbers. They go down every single day. And from week to week, folks... I don't know how much lower it can go in the next couple of months, but I don't see any way Joe Biden survives even one term as president. I'll say this again. I don't think it'll be long before one day early in the morning, Jill will pick up the phone and call Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and say, look, Joe has a medical situation. He's not going to be able to handle this anymore. He's going to step down for health reasons. I see that happening. And a lot of people would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But think about the alternative. We would have the vice president assume the role of president. And then the Senate gets to pick a replacement for her as vice president. That happened in the Nixon administration. Wow. It's going to be something new happening every week for a long time. I promise you. So here's some news that will encourage many of you. An increasing number of schools across the nation are banning LGBTQ Pride and Black Lives Matter flags. And the reason they're banning them, they're saying they are too political and too divisive. The bans have sparked concerns with a bunch of students and teachers resigning, protesting, or being suspended for voicing their opinion on the school's action. In August... An Oregon school district voted to ban LGBTQ and Black Lives Matter flags, as well as other political signs and articles of clothing. We don't pay our teachers to push any of their political views on our students. That's not their place. That's Brian Shannon, school board director and vice chair of Newburgh Public Schools. Their place is to teach the approved curriculum. And that's all this policy does, is ensure that's happening in our schools. This is in Oregon. I can't imagine an Oregon public school district that would do this. I thought everybody in Oregon was hard left. Maybe not. Superintendent Joe Morlock said he would meet with the district's attorneys prior to enforcing the policy. This feels so draconian. This feels so anti-everything. Board member Brandy Pinner said anti-free speech, anti-free expression, anti-safety Board member Inez Pina, who reportedly wore a Black Lives Matter shirt and a Pride rainbow headband during that specific meeting, also said students weren't given enough of a say in the decision discussed how some students and their families described feelings of having experienced discrimination. The quality of some of the stories that we have heard should count more than just the number of emails we received, Pina said, and I feel like that's not being heard the students are not being heard. So I mean, far left, far right. Where's where's the facts? Where's the truth in that? Now, speaking of a controversial topic, you know who Molly Hemingway is? She's one of my favorite contributors on Fox News. She um, is a staple at the Federalist, which is another one of my great and favored news outlets. So she penned an article, which I think is killer, and she says in this article, if questioning the results of a presidential election were a crime, as many have asserted in the wake of what happened January 6th, then much of the Democrat party and media establishment should have been indicted for their behavior following the 2016 election. In fact, the last time Democrats fully accepted the legitimacy of a presidential election they lost was in 1988. Remember that after the 2000 election, which hinged on the results of a recount in Florida, Democrats smeared President George W. Bush as selected, not elected. And then when Bush won re-election against Senator John Kerry, senator at the time in 04. Many on the left claimed that voting machines in Ohio had been rigged to deliver fraudulent votes to Bush. HBO even produced and aired the Emmy-nominated Hacking Democracy, which is a documentary claiming to show that votes can be stolen without a trace, adding fuel to the conspiracy theory fire that the results of the 04 election were illegitimate. But nothing holds a candle to what happened in 2016 after Trump's surprising defeat of Hillary. Rather than accept that Trump won and Clinton lost fair and square, the political and media establishments desperately sought to explain away Trump's victory. They settled on this, a conspiracy theory that crippled the government, empowered America's adversaries, and illegally targeted innocent private citizens whose only crime was not supporting Hillary. That was the Russia collusion hoax. They had all the elements of an election conspiracy theory, including baseless claims of hacked voting totals, illegal voter suppression, and treasonous collaboration with a foreign power. Pundits and officials speculate openly that Trump was a foreign asset. Members of his circle were under the thumb of the Kremlin. But despite the absurdity of these crazy claims, the belief that Trump stole that election had the support of the most powerful institutions, individuals, even government agencies in the country. To question the legitimacy of the 2016 election wasn't to undermine our democracy. It was considered by some of our most elevated public figures as a patriotic duty. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Clinton told her followers that the next year, a year later. I know he's an illegitimate president, Clinton claimed, just a few months later. She even said during an interview with CBS Sunday Morning, voter suppression and voter purging and hacking were the reason she got beat. And former President Jimmy Carter agreed. Trump lost the election and was put into office because the Russians interfered on his behalf. That's Jimmy Carter. He said that to NPR. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. And it just goes on and on and on. What she's saying in this thing is we owe it to Americans to really look hard at the 2020 election. And we need to continue to point to those Democrats that are screaming and hollering, pushing back like never before. They hired a fleet of Democrat heavyweight attorneys to go to Arizona and to fight even allowing that election order audit that happened to go forward. If you weren't worried about cheating, if you didn't feel like there was something that was being hidden, and if you wanted to prove that the election was fair, why would you not want a real, legitimate, thorough audit of the voting? Why wouldn't you want that to happen? And there's only one reason, folks. There's only one. There's got to be something to hide. Or at least they think there's something wrong that happened, and they're fearful of that coming to the light of day. And we're going to end the show on that. As usual, folks, I'm indebted to you. I'm endeared to you. I pray for you every day. I want only the best for you and your family. And I want to thank you for being here and letting TNN Live and Truth News Network be a part of your life. Please know this. We're back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. sharp. Till then, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, folks, the best is yet to come. So long.
0: Good morning, Mr. Sunshine. You brighten. i